Let's spell a song so you can sing along with my special guest star for two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, Jen. With me today is a very special returning guest. I picked him. I picked the topic. It's Jason Kerr, everyone. Oh, hi. How's it going? Oh, it's great. And we're here <laughs> to talk about the 2004 version of A Christmas Carol. I only say that because there's like billions of them. There was, oh my god there's so many i mean i saw the the one on broadway now just recently uh and there's i feel like every franchise has a has a christmas carol last year on the podcast we did the muppets christmas carol which so. is the, the fucking best well okay we'll, we'll I, get into it for uh, later but didn't we lo- didn't we love it last time when we, when we talked about I, it it wasn't you it was somebody else i okay. i did like I, it I, I, can't, I can't keep track anymore <laughs> i feel i feel like i have conversations about musicals in my dreams and you're just there probably <laughs> we're all resuming your dreams you just see exactly. the Zoom windows <laughs> um so christmas carol the, uh the screenplay was by lynn aarons the book oh, goddess this is based off of a stage production the book is by mike Okrent and Lynn Aris, uh, Aaron's uh, music by Al- the one and only Alan Menken. Lyrics by Lynn Aaron's, directed by Arthur Allen Seidelman. And according to IMDb, now we all know what this movie is about. But like, this is what I do. <laughs> this one. An old bitter miser is given a chance for redemption when he is haunted by ghosts on Christmas Eve. That is like the most succinct imdb summary i've ever read i mean what else can you say it's a musical that he has to relive all his lifelong trauma through three <laughs> this is amazing um so okay i like at first i picked this for you cause, just because i was like jason holidays whatever but yeah. re-watching it and rethinking about it this is one of my childhood things. Oh wow! So uh, did, did did you you went you went to the uh, the the live one, right? We went. So as a kid, my family and I went to go see this at Madison Square Garden. Oh, you're from New York. I keep I'm forgetting from New that. York. Yeah. Okay. We went. We went for the well. So it's funny talking with my mom and my sister today about it. They went. So the it first premiered on December first, nineteen ninety four. My sister oh my and my goodness. mom went from 95 onward. And Every I, year. And I went from 96 or 97 onward. I can't remember. I only now. have the programs for the last five years of it, which is fascinating seeing who's in it, who's yeah. everything, who do I know, blah, blah, blah. Other famous people that weren't famous then that are famous now? Well, so the whole idea behind the show is basically they're going to have a headliner play Scrooge and then mm-hmm. um, smattering named people throughout the cast. So like um, the last five years of the ones that I saw were Tony Roberts, Franklin Jella, Tim Curry, F. Murray oh, Abraham. Wow. And Jim oh, my Dale. God. F. Murray did this. Mm-hmm. I love but, him. 
By the way, but, him and White Lotus this season is amazing. Go on. But we also saw <laughs> Roger Daltrey, Tony Randall. Uh, my sister <gasps> oh and my, my mom goodness. saw Terrence Mann. And what? In 97, there were two Scrooges. There were Hal Linden and Roddy McDowell. I don't remember who he saw. Oh, I'd love I to see Hal Linden Roddy. do this. But, um, like, Ghost of Christmas Past, one year, had was played by Didi Khan. Um, oh, 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 where has she been? The Ghost of Christmas Present is also full of people. Reginald Vell Johnson played it twice. He can um, sing? He sing, I mean... Yes, it makes sense. I mean, because it seems to be played mostly by black actors. Ben Vereen did it twice. Wow, that must have been something. Um, well, and so I want to also give a shout out to Paul Kendall, who played Ghost of Jacob Marley from 1995 to 2003. Wow, the original That's a good Christmas gig. The original Marley was Jeff Keller. I don't know who that is, but Jeff like, Keller. So, the name actually does sound familiar. So I, I was telling my sister, I was like, every year we saw the same person play the ghost of Jacob Marley. <laughs> that, I mean, listen, as a person who's done the Christmas show um, for multiple years, you, when you get it, when you get a good one, you got to keep it. Right. And, and that's a you, good one. And if you, the listener or Jason, look on <laughs> the Wikipedia page for it, they have all the cast from all, all, all. All the years? Nine Most the... years? Ten okay. years? Wow. And I still I can't believe I never, saw, I never saw it. I mean, I lived here for from 99 on. So, I mean, technically I should have. So I always bring this one up to people and it feels like no one has seen this show. And I'm just like, how? It was at Madison Square Garden. You'd think it's a numbers game. I would have seen I would have come across at least one other person. But also, it. we were all, I mean, we were talking about your group of friends. And around that time, we were, and during that time, that, that specific time, I was in college the whole time. All so, 10 years? No, not not 10 years, but the time I was here. <laughs> I was For in, 10 I was years, in Jason was in college. You heard uh, it here, everyone. I'm a, and that's why I have a doctorate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That he wrote himself in crayon, yes. Exactly, exactly. Thank you very much. Uh, Welcome. <laughs> but from 99 to well, 2004, I was, I was in college. Uh, I was and, in college, to, to 2003, really. I took a break from 2003 to 2004, but I was in college. And so in 2004, Hallmark, yes, you heard it here, everyone. Hallmark made the movie. So this is a Hallmark movie. That's amazing. You have, and you have to remember this. That makes before, a lot of sense, though, actually. But this was also before Hallmark movies are what they are today. I I remember when Hallmark movies were better like this. Yes, this makes sense. There was still some cheese factor to it, with, the, oh, especially oh, when it came to the CGI che- and everything. But cheese was, ball. But this was basically the show. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it, they changed some of the state some of the staging. But oh, of it's course. The same but song I mean, like dialogue songs. Yeah. Even there's some Easter eggs from the show. In oh, really? Throughout. Mm-hmm. Oh, you so, would like, know. I would know because I'm the I'm, <laughs> I'm the expert here. Ah. I scrub. I only scr- I, I found the viewing of the of the of the stage version online, but I just scrubbed through it to see like what 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 how the stage was kind of like. See, the one thing I kind of miss from the stage version is the reveal of yet to be. So, like okay. in in the stage version. When it's the beggar woman 
there was a veil, long veils over the actress's face. So yeah. we didn't see her. And then yeah. she would do this big reveal and it would be a point dancer in all red. Oh, that's actually really fucking cool. And she had like fierce drag makeup and everything. Oh, like, wow. And she never spoke. She never spoke. She never spoke when that's she was I... yet to be. But like there were some moments in the beginning and I believe at the end that she had lines. Okay. There. So there's like the movie. The movie does that too. The movie does that. But like she's in all white. And I thought red was a. Red is more of a striking color, especially for stage. Well, yeah. especially in life, because, you know, red is a very vibrant Bright. color. It means so many different things. Yes. But also, funnily enough, no one who was involved in any year of the stage version is in this movie. It's sad. It's like the prom. Well, so you would think, like, Jesse L. Martin would be perfect for, he was perfect he for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was big, he was a bigger star then, I mean because after Rent, I mean that would have been actually would have been a nice draw. Well, so was Reginald Bell Johnson. Everyone knows knows him from Family, Family, Matters. Family Matters. They know him from Die Hard and Die Hard. Die Hard yes, Die. Oh yeah, that's actually perfect for a Christmas for someone some in an iconic Christmas film. Yes, Die Hard is a Christmas film. Yes, uh, to be to be in a Christmas uh, musical. That's actually really kind of cool. And like you get the one big. That's not really like an eleven o'clock number. It's like the it's a it's a production number. The production number. Also, yeah. the stage version is a one act. There is no intermission. Ninety minutes, so, no intermission. Ninety to an hour forty five. I think. I can't remember. Okay, but that's like, not bad. But like, I do know that because years later, I have come across people who've worked on it, and yeah. Um, talking to them about their schedule it's like basically like radio Live city there. schedule where you're yeah, there yeah. for like three four shows in a row yeah, yeah we did we did that on grinch actually i just looked at one of my memories today we had nine show weekends i live i i live it sounds hellish i actually loved them um because you you have somewhere to be <laughs> Right, and you're living in a theater. I, I, I would just wake up, go to the gym, eat something, and go to the theater. And then they, they give us lunch and they give us lunch and dinner. And, and you're making boatloads of money. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we made overtime. If we went over because if we went over eight shows, uh, we made more money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it was kind of nice. It was kind of nice. So, have you ever seen this movie before, or that you haven't seen? I the don't before? think I have. It's possible that I may have. I I vaguely have a memory of seeing it, but I don't think I have. Because like Jane Grakowski, uh, Kelsey yeah, Grammer, yeah, all my faves, Jason Alexander, yeah, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh, okay, Jennifer we, Love Hewitt. I I. I, I I still believe that Jennifer Love Hewitt missed it on a career of her lifetime. And here, here's a theory. It's a, it's a butterfly effect. And, and we can trace it back to something. So so, so uh, Sister Act was written for Bette Midler. Right. Um, and Bette Midler declined it, giving it to Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg, it was a hit. And then Sister Act 2, they, they had to have a black uh, counterpart for her. Uh, and that was Lauren Hill. Now... If Bette Midler hadn't done, had done Sister Act, I think 
that Jennifer Love Hewitt, who was also in Sister Act Two, would have been the 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 the, 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 the yeah the lead. I, I think she would have been, had a bigger music career than she than she than she has. She has that one album. I think she would have had a bigger music career than she has. <laughs> well, because like I don't. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I don't think this is the right key for her. Because it feels like she she's sounds straining. gorgeous. She sounds nice, but it feels like she's straining on some of those notes. I didn't feel that. Oh, really? Yeah, the whole time I was. I, okay, for, first of all, I watched it in the middle of the night because I couldn't sleep. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so um, but, but I didn't feel that she was uh, straining at all. She has a light voice. A- and everyone in this movie is costumed beautifully. Yes, 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 yes. I, I did like some of the changes that they made from the stage version. Um, for example, Ghost of Christmas Past in the stage version wore a white tux that had lights on it, or oh, that's interesting. Had lights on it, so like uh, when we are spinning through time, obviously there is no like it's a stage version. You can't do CGI or anything. There's there's only so much limiting things you can do. But like the lights would be like the lights of long ago, and like you know traveling in time and everything. But this one, Jane Krakowski gets Beyonce's wind machine. Like I know I clocked that. I said, oh, we have we have Beyonce. This is pre Beyonce. Pre Pre it's not pre Beyonce. It's actually not pre Beyonce. It's well pre what we know as Beyonce. It's Destiny's Child, Beyonce. But but Beyonce didn't have that fan. She didn't have the fan. During Destiny's Child. Or if she did, it was on all three of them. And it's like. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But she had the wind (laughs) machine. She had that fan. She had a dress. She was barefoot. It was perfection. And like. Sometimes. Like. Sometimes I forget Jane Krakowski had a theater career. Or has has a theater. Has. Well, she started. She started in theater. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's a. a, Is it two time Tony one or one one Tony? I forget. For Seven. Grand for <laughs> she's coming for Audra. Coming um, <laughs> she because for Grand Hotel, did she get it for nine? I can't remember. Either she has it for nine and Grand Hotel, or she has it for nine. Are you looking it up? Nine, she won Best Featured Actress. Yeah, she had to. That was incredible. Actually, this was this was very nine. And she was nominated for Grand Hotel, and she loves me. Oh, she was lo- she was lovely, and she loves me. She won other awards for she loves me, but not the Tony. Okay, so she has one Tony for nine. Okay, so as somebody who is first watching this, what did you think? I thought it was I thought it was really cute. It's very close to the book, to the to the actual. They use a lot of the lines from the actual book, and a lot. Of, there's some things that I was like, oh, are they expanding, or is it part of the book? Like, um, it, something happened in Christmas Past. That that I had never seen in a Christmas Carol before, um, the last beat of the of the memories. What was the last thing he sees? He sees Marley die. Yeah, that that's not in the in the in the actual book, is it? I don't remember, but I think, I don't think it is. But that happens in the show as well, and it's yeah. really cool. And yeah. it's really cool because what happens? Here, <laughs> sorry to be so excited about this. No, I like, love it. I was. I've been talking with a bunch of people today about it, and I was just like, "It needs to be revived." It should. We 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 do need besides the Rockettes, we do need another Christmas tradition. And they tried to make Grinch that, and it didn't. Stick. And a Christmas story. And a Christmas story, and that didn't stick. Um, we we need we need something like this. It, maybe we should bring this back. So 
what happens is at least in this production that was done for like 10 years at Madison Square Garden, um, they are doing, they're working and everything. And all of a sudden they're um, Jacob Marley, the person has like a heart attack and goes under a circular desk and up pops the ghost of it. So like, Whoa. It, I, I'm not doing it justice by describing it. You up have- pops Marley's ghost? the ghost of marley yes or like or like marley's ghost behind him and the purse the live quote-unquote marley jumps down and there's the ghost present ghost of marley present so is it so is the is is a uh, a marley double well so there are two marley's there's the ghost marley and then there's the oh in the the, the movie it was it was it was the same person yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay. No, like you couldn't, because the makeup no. was so extensive yeah. Yeah. that, like, yeah. it you couldn't. And it would and, have been theater magic, true theater magic. If true, yeah. the, I don't know if they had the um, the technology that they had for Doubtfire yet um, for all that those. was something. But I mean. Paul Kendall had a very specific voice that like wow. as Marley he and it was so uh Jason if you can I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm I'm not advocating this at all but if you Jason or the listener can find it on YouTube I would say watch it yeah it's, it's, I mean there's it no harm because it's not being produced anywhere right but like I mean, it's still I think people somebody's are doing work it. and it's copyright and everything. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah, think yeah. anyone does this production. Like I don't think I because I've done the I've done a the, a Christmas story musical, but not this version. And I think that when I when I auditioned for, I thought it was this version. And then I was I, I showed up to rehearsal. I was like, oh, this. Who would no, you want to actually? Who would you want to play? Who would you want to play in this one? Oh, it'd have to be Ghost of Christmas uh, Present. No, no. Who do you want to play? Oh. Um, that's not what I asked. I know, I, asked, I know, I know. If you can pick, know. you want to play. I, yet I, to come I, I, on I, point, I, right? I, <laughs> no, I still, I still think I'd be Ghost of Christmas. Cause I, I mean, I was Christmas, I was Christmas present in the 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 other um, one. You you would like mic drop abundance and charity. I think I could. I could. Mm-hmm. It's a production number. Come on, I mean, it's a production number. It's a character number. Yeah, yeah. Um, you. I think in the stage version, it was also a tap number. It was. I did see that, and there was tapping fruit. They were tapping, tapping fruit. fruit. Well, so they would. It would be like um, a a thing that would cover the upper part part of yes. their bodies. Yeah, and then they would take it off, and there was also presents and things like that. So, like yeah. this number in the movie is like paying homage to that in a way. Which uh, I I I noticed that the that this production was choreographed by Susan Stroman. That's a very Susan Stroman number. Yes. Tap and everything. But like it's very, you know, producers or what's another iconic Susan Stroman piece? I mean, anything is really. So do you think, though, that the CGI helps this movie? Yeah. I thought that the um, actually it looks better than most CGI. Like when the when when Marley is pressing against the the, the door, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, what other CGI moments were there? I mean, the whole link by link is CGI. When they're come, when the ghosts are coming out of the 
the yes. room. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think um, I think that it's effective, especially this is a Hallmark film. I mean, it's very hard for, for a TV movie budget. I I oh, do yeah. agree. I think though, like they could have gone away with more stagecraft, like more trick of the camera and things like that. Coupe de lying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've I've seen this movie so many times, this version of it. And like, you know, last year we did Muppet Christmas Carol on here, but like this is my version of Christmas yes. Carol. Oh, miss. Cuz I have the I I have the childhood attachment to it. You had a childhood? I did. I That's didn't wild. just spawn from the earth like everyone thinks. No, I thought I thought you spawned from a moist rock. Oh, well, I wasn't sure. No. That rock is still in Central Park. Wasn't me. It was somebody oh, else. That's, that's shocking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so, and this is Ellen Menken music. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and Lynn, he, Ar- Lynn Aaron's the goddess. I, I love that woman so fucking much. I don't know her work that well. You know, but you know, you know it more than you think you do. I probably uh, do. You know, all all Stephen Flaherty musicals, but Lynn Aaron's also wrote for Schoolhouse Rock. <sighs> Shut up. Um, and she wrote Ragtime and where Musical. The, where the fuck have you been? I don't know names. <laughs> uh, but she she also wrote Rocky the Musical. Listen, listen. <laughs> My God, I'm also looking up her school as rock songs. Like, I know all, almost all of them. Thank you. So don't say you don't know Lynn because she's a fucking legend. I don't know her by <laughs> name. How's that? Okay, okay. She also, Jason, contributed uh, to an album that Audra McDonald recorded for the, yes. seven, the seven Deadly Sins of Songs. Yes. Cycle. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, also, you know, Stan of the, uh, the pod stands Audra McDonald. In case I'm Audra. I just went and saw. I just went and saw her new show. I'm obsessed. She also wrote. It's a her. She wrote a, an iconic commercial as well. I wanted to say it's the I'm a Pepper, but that's that's uh, Barry Manilow. Someone told me not too long ago, and I was I was a little amazed. Are you googling it? <gasps> she wrote for Camp the movie. Oh fuck me. <laughs> oh. Oh my God! I, I think le- I Lynn, love this woman. Lynn Aaron's is a legend. Like I think she wrote that, for Captain Kangaroo. She. I think that we that, that she is also super underrated. People don't talk about her enough. She's incredible. I can't find it on her Wikipedia page. But okay, one day I'll, I'll probably remember it in my sleep tonight. I'll text you, um, or I'll just come and- over. <laughs> yeah. And- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Knock, knock, uh, knock. I remember. You know, okay, okay. So I hear Aaron's and Flaherty, and I, I guess I just didn't associate Lynn Aaron's. Aaron's Lynn Aaron's, yeah. Aaron's yeah, and Flaherty. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. A, that's on me, everyone. That's totally on me. <laughs> Sorry, Lynn Aaron's. If you're, because I know you're listening. Yes. She... 
I love this. I love this. It, it brings such joy. And I feel like this is like not too dark of a of a telling of Christmas that, Carol. That actually is something I clocked as well. I, I said, because I'm obsessed with the darkness of, of Christmas Carol. And this is a lighter version. Well, because this was geared towards families. Er, ergo, me, little little John you, when he was younger. You, you know what's funny? I went and the, the, the Christmas Carol that's on Broadway now is fabulous. Um, and... It is dark. It, it it's because I mean, a Christmas Carol is a is a ghost story. It it is it is a ghost story. Yes. Um, and they lean into it. And there were kids in my in my row, and they were gone by the end of it. Well, I mean, I guess people don't nowadays don't really or try not to focus on the ghost story aspect because they're like families. We got to yeah, get yeah, it's Christmas. Clean. It's, it's family. Because yeah, yeah. like I mean, even the ghost story <clears throat> of it all has the same message. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. It's, like, it's, it's yeah. Be, it's just, be kind. Celebrate. Celebrate life. Um, it's supposed to scare. It's supposed to scare the the listener. It scared the the protagonist to not be Scrooge. Yeah. Like that's the, yeah. that's the point. You're supposed to not be Scrooge, but then they dulled it down for families over the years. So like yeah. we have this version. We have. Um, I we think have, the Muppet the Muppet Christmas Carol d- keeps the darkness. Which I find interesting. It's still light because they're doing zany Muppet stuff. Well, it's it's only light because they break it up. If you just if you cut all the 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 stuff in between, it's still dark. You are right. I do remember thinking that when I watched it because like, it's wonderful. But like, I think with this version though, obviously they were trying to make money off of the stage version because that stage yeah. version, my God, Jason, watch just watch the sets watch it yeah i I, so I, I i saw a little bit when, when i scrubbed through um but it, it looks it looks really wonderful i love that theater it's so huge and it yeah, was it's massive packed every i remember it being packed every year that's amazing it's it, i mean i forget how many people it holds it's a good amount billions anyway <laughs> <laughs> um I feel like this is also just like a good introduction to the story of A Christmas Carol. I think so. For think any so. age. For yeah, any age. yeah, yeah. Like, um, this is the one that... <laughs> Last time you were on doing Phantom Tollbooth, I was like, we, we talked about substitute teachers. And I was like, this is the one that substitute teachers can clearly put, put on. on. Yep. Especially around and this time of year. Pop it on. The kids will love it. There's a lot of singing, a lot of dancing. Oh, we didn't talk about Fezziwig. So, Fezziwig annual Christmas ball. That is... I love that number. It is organized chaos because <laughs> it's a party. Yes. <laughs> I love Fezziwig in any production. Even the production that I did the years ago, I, Fezziwig had, had a great number. Well, you'll be excited because mm-hmm. I got in touch with a friend of mine who played Fezziwig. Oh, wow. Later in the show run. And you know what? This is where I'm going to put in talking to him about the show. So we're here with Roland Ruzanek, uh, who was in the show version of A Christmas Carol that I've been talking about since I was a kid. And I feel like no one has seen this show (laughs) every time I talk to them. And yet thousands of people saw it every day. (laughs) So how many years were you involved? Seven. Seven. Yeah. What out of the ten? What roles did you play? Um, over the my years? my first year was I was the poulterer, the judge, 
one of the three charity men, the waiter, the, the yeah, the butler waiter in Fezziwig's ball, and then a sundry other like dancing, singing Dickensian Male roles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we would just walk off, change and come back and it was another character. That's how, how that show was. Oh my God. I think I had my first time doing it like 15 changes in 90 minutes. Jesus Christ. And then when I went into Fezziwig, I think it went down to like 11 changes in 90 minutes, something like that. Well, because you were Fezziwig. <laughs> yeah, but you were still like a million other people. Oh. You're only Fezziwig and Christmas passed. And then you're like, then you're still like other folks in the in the show. It's just you track shifts. That's so, well, it was stage, really fun. The stage must be huge too, because looking at the programs that I still have, and I'll show you here, I've got the last five years worth of programs. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, you do. Um, the cast is huge. Yeah, it was I think my first year, 1997, my first year was something like 75 people. And then the following year, they cut it down to like 50. <laughs> I mean, I think I have the numbers a little bit wrong, but it it was like that. It was like, a oh, they, we cut it down. And you're still like, it's still a massive cast. <laughs> so did you audition every year or was it just the first year? And then they were like, hey, what are you doing this holiday season? So I'm from LA. I'm from the Southern California. And I booked Phantom in Toronto in 1996, I was 25 and I was Pianji. And that contract ended at 97, early part of the year, or like mid, mid like summer, they told me you're you're not being renewed because, you know, I was young and I think they, they got a Canadian guy to do the role and whatever. And uh, I reached out to some friends in New York saying like, I, I think I'm going to move to New York instead of LA, go back to LA. And, and one of them just kind of goes, you know, I work on the show called A Christmas Carol at, at the Garden. You should probably audition. There's a part for you. And I sort of just finagled an audition. Like when I say I bullied Hughes Moss to uh, see me, <laughs> that was only something with the hubris of youth you could do. Also, it was the time we were in where I was like, hey, we're, uh, you know, Robin Lewis said there's a part for me and I want to audition. And they're like, mm -hmm. we, well, we're having auditions. I was like, great. I'll be in town that weekend looking at an apartment. And they were like, well, we don't know. We, I don't know. And then I was there, like, calling on a payphone, um, saying, <laughs> I, I'm here. Where? When's my audition? And they're like, well, we're not sure we can see you. Da, 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 da. And I was like, you don't understand. Robin Lewis said there's a part for me. I need to audition. And the guy was like, okay, fine. We'll see you. It was like, then the next day, I think. And then I went to the audition with, like, the music of Fezziwig's Ball that Robin had sent me that I just learned it because it was to part to cover Fezzy, Fezziwig. And I knew the music. I had my other material, but then I walked into the audition and it was the last supper of that show. It was Mike Ockrent, Susan Stroman, Paul Gemiani, Alan Menken, Lynn Ahrens, Chris Peterson, every, and other people that were casting. I, I, and I didn't know who half of them were. I just knew who Alan Menken was and who Paul Gemiani and Susan Stroman and Mike Ockram were. And I was like, oh, what the? <laughs> and I said, and they're like, and I was like, they're like, you're here for this, this track. Yeah, oh, do you, do you know the Fabulous Ball music? Oh yeah, I have it. And I, I go to sing it and I open my mouth and I, I'm singing wrong notes. And Lynn Aarons is like waving at me and she goes, hey, 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 that's the wrong key. And I was like, oh, it's the wrong key. They're like, oh, I think you have the wrong music. Oh no. And I was just like, great. And in my heart, I mean, my heart sank. I was already so nervous that my heart sank. And then I went, well, what do I got to lose now? Let's figure out what the new key is. And I, and, and then the pianist who was Mark Mitchell, who was our associate conductor, 
of it. You know, I just didn't know it at the time. No big deal. <laughs> goes, it's this. And he sort of played the correct key. And I was like, okay. And then I just sang it. And they all just kind of looked at me. And I thought, I- I've already fucked this up. There's no way I'm going to ruin it anymore. Uh, you know, it's only, you know, I thought it's the only way up. Right. So then I sang it and then they all went, oh, and I could see this look they all got on their faces, which I didn't know how to interpret at the time. And then uh, they kind of go, but mutter, 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 mutter. And they're like, okay, can you, can you come back and dance? And I was like, oh yeah, sure. What time? <laughs> and they're like three o'clock. Okay. And then it was like me and two other people, three other people, men dancing, one of which was a friend of mine from here. And then like later they were like, okay, uh, can you just like read these couple lines? And, and I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, great, thanks. And I walked out and I was like, okay, well, I auditioned. I mean, I don't right. know, you know, cause I, cause I thought I blew it. And then I took the apartment I was looking at. I can't, I, a month later moved back in, moved into that apartment and I went to plug in the phone cause I had just gotten the service turned on and it was ringing. So I thought, oh, this is the wrong number. So I picked it up. And it's my agent from here going, where have you been? And I was like, it was moving day. Relax. I told you. <clears throat> and he goes, well, you got the job. And I was like, what job? What are you talking about? And he goes, Christmas Carol, they, they're offering you the show. And I was like, oh, the thing I auditioned for a month ago? Oh, my God. He was like, yeah, we're, we're hi- they're hiring you. And I was just like, oh, my God. The, and it was the day I moved into my apartment in New York. And I, like, plugged the phone in. Like, that's literally how it went. And I thought, no one will believe this is true. But yeah, and so it was already, it was, they had year three of the show. Yes. 97. Because yeah, my my first year was Roddy McDowell, Hal Linden. Uh, oh, Lynn. the dual Because cast. it was also the year of Sideshow on Broadway. So we always made fun of them as the as Siamese Scrooges. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we love them. I not, not make fun of them in a mean way, by any means, you know. So then the following years, were they, did they just call you up and be like, hey, are you in New York? Um, or would you have to re-audition? Oh, yeah. So um, uh, about April, May, maybe late summer, some, somewhere around between May and late summer, they would, you'd always get a call from Hughes Moss or a, someone's assistant saying, hi, it's, you know, whoever it is this year. I'm calling to check your availability for Christmas. No, because it was always somebody different. Right, um, yeah. uh, it was this. You're, we're checking your availability for Christmas Carol this year, and you know if you were available, they just hired you back. Oh, that's so cool. I think because I think they treated it like it was an ongoing show in their minds, and they assumed that in eleven, eight, not even eleven months, eight months time, you're not going to get out of shape because it's like, you know, the show is so intense, and then. You know, January, you pretty much spend the the month resting because you got to recover. And then, you know, you have February, March, February, March, April, May, June. You have five months of like, they're assuming you're working, you know, right. and no one ever came back and was like, I can't do the show now. You know, it's like, we're always, we were all, we always kind of knew it was coming. So we always sort of just would keep that in mind. And then there was one year that I got the tour of Kiss Me Kate, that, that Nash, the revival, okay. uh, right after 9-11. And they called and I I was like, I'm actually on tour with Kiss Me Kate, but I can figure it out. And they were like, no, 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 no. I said, well, I don't want to lose my spot. And they're like, you will not, you lose your spot. Like the, <laughs> they, you will come, they will call you again after. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And sure enough, that was the year I took over. The following year was the year I took over. Fez- they just, they did make me audition for Fezziwig. 
um, because I was off a year and also because I was moving into a, like a, a new track. Uh, yeah. A principal track, even though it's still like a multi-character track. Um, and they just wanted to hear me sing it. But it, that was also an amazing audition because I walked in, had the right music this time. <laughs> <laughs> because I had already, I had never gone on for Fezziwig. Uh, I had only rehearsed it in, in understudy rehearsal. And um, I walked into the audition and it was at, uh, you know, that new 42 now, because uh, you know, that's that was that existed at that point. Um, and it was one of the smaller rooms and it was Alan, Lynn, uh, you know, uh, the same lineup, <laughs> except for no Mike Ockrent because he had passed by then. Um, oh. Yeah. And uh, and I literally opened up my mouth and went, we're and Paul Gimignani put his hand up <laughs> and I shut my mouth and he just turns very slowly to everyone else at the table and he goes, are we really going to make him do this? <laughs> That's amazing. I, 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 I had never had anyone advocate for me like that before. And I got very emotional, like in that moment. I was like, wow, he, oh he's going to bat for me, like publicly in front of me. And Stro looks at me and she goes, honey, go outside for a second. <laughs> and I was like, yes, ma'am. And then they're like, you're fine. And by the time I got <laughs> to my apartment, they had already called. <laughs> That's amazing. You got the offer. And I was like, okay. That's amazing. So in, uh, I, th I believe the last year was 2003, right? Yes. I think so. I always get the years messed up in the terms of the date. I just know it by who was playing Scrooge. Did you know that that was the last year? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. Because we, we kept hoping we'd have a Hail Mary, like, oh, we're going to move to Broadway House next year. They were, And they were like, no. And we knew it was done because it was a 10-year contract with Madison Square Garden Entertainment. I think it was a different company when they first had the contract. But also because we knew Lynn and Stephen had, uh, and Alan, Lynn and Alan, had licensed the show to MTI, which meant it was anyway. unlikely there would be another Broadway or New York production. Oh, not, not to say it, it won't happen, because I think it can. I think it still could. Um, but I, I think the likelihood of it was very obviously like, well, we're not going to come back next year, you know, at, at, you know, so we knew that at that point. So then I, I hate to even ask this question. Were you even offered to do the movie that Hallmark uh -uh. put on? They didn't even know. Cause you. I think, I think it was filmed a hundred percent in London. And um, I think it was all local hire in London. I'm, I'm 90% sure. And there was a weird rumor and I don't, and I'm going to say this like with a caveat i'm not sure this is true i've heard a rumor that stro was at, well yeah I, I that i i i heard a rumor that stro was asked to choreograph it um because you realize a lot of the dance music and the music was written around her choreography to f facilitate what she was creating in terms of the storytelling of the dance which was i think probably one of some of the best dance storytelling that exists that existed because the way she would just do transitions was it's like no one she's a master like no one no one can do that yes um and uh they the director of the film said something really kind of unkind to her you know like as far as this is a, again the story i heard i don't i didn't hear it from her that's just be clear um but something like he said oh i just want fancy walking and she was like that's not what I do. Like, I'm not working on your movie. You want fancy walking. And then when you watch the movie, you go, it's fancy walking. Yeah. Cause even like the Fezziwig part in the movie is 
it's still joyous and dancing and all that, but like, but it's woefully under choreographed. Like, there's no dance. There's no Fezziwig's dance. It's just, and it's in the book. You know, he they talk about how he was the best dancer at the party, and like I was describing how in the stage version there was a fiddler that would do those like turns yeah. while playing yeah. the fiddle. Um, Brad, just, Brad Bradley and Liam Burke. And I just also remember. Been, yeah, I also remember like all the women like leaning on a bench and doing kicks in the air. Yeah. And that's not in the movie. And it's a little disappointing. No, the joy of it, like, cause, cause that, that, that number was also like in the, inf- Mike Ockrent being a Brit, right. In had the sense of like, I know what this kind of would have been in terms of these parties. So that informed, I believe Stroman's choreography that it was just like, one person out doing another person out doing another person visually, you know, in their tricks in there. It's, and it's such a thrilling number, but it, it was builds. It builds obviously. Yes. And it, and it kind of has this moment of like, it's like a little champagne bottle that then pops at the end, you know? Uh, yeah. um, were you that table? Also... Listen, writing that table was also <laughs> like, are you kidding me? But there was weird safety measures built in, which were kind of cool to be honest with you. Now that you think about it, the cane that they, they throw Fezziwig, would yes. fit into a slot on the table and it was all steel. So that cane became like a safety, like a balancing um, thing. And you'd ride it like a surfboard. There were always like, <laughs> bend your knees, stick your butt out, you know, like, <laughs> because you'd, you'd, you were riding this table that turned, it was, at first it was scary, but once I got used to it, it was really fun. Were, did you ever play one of the ghosts in Link by Link? Uh-uh. Okay, because... Also, describing that to people. All of my tracks. They never, I never got to touch it. I was always backstage, changing. Is there a role that you wanted to play that you just never got the chance to? Honestly, no. No? No, Fez, it was Fezziwig because he had this kind of joy and love that I, I really identified with. I, I mean, maybe I'd like to play Marley at some point. Um, because, you know, Paul Kandel is also a master at what he does. And the man was... It was brilliant in that role. And he, I saw he did it for nine years or whatever. He never not did it. There was only one, the first year he oh, did it. Oh, Jeff Keller it. did the first year. That's right, that's right. Yeah. 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 And then it was, <laughs> that's a master. Mas- he's a master. That blew my mind because like, I was a kid when I saw it. So I didn't really like associate, you know, be like, oh, it's the same person. I just thought they sounded the same every year. No. Never. And he's also the voice of Clopin in the Hunchback movie. <gasps> Oh my god. <laughs> he sings a high D in the Hunchback movie. Oh. High now, D. Now high that, D. It sound now that makes sense. Like Bells of no <laughs> Uh do you have any like fun stories of things that happened during the show or like mishaps? I don't think your podcast is long enough for all. <laughs> um well give me a give me an idea. Give me an idea like well, what like you, what, well, like, was there was there like a costume malfunction that you had to like? Cover was up? there? <laughs> uh, well, okay, so I'll just start going. So, so dur- link by link. So during link by link, you did all of your costume changes on stage in what we called gondolas. It was just like you walk off stage, and it and you had prescribed places you'd go, and you'd strip down to your undergarments, and then you'd just put the next costume on or take off the layer because you were underdressed. Okay. During Link by Link, I had a change and I'd walk across behind the stage to come in. And I remember going to the 
place where I was waiting to come in and I saw two stage managers just looking up like this and then, you know, hands on their on their packs and speaking into their, you know, they're like, and they're looking and they're looking. And I kind of lean, I go, what's going on? And they said, oh, one of the girls is not that her fly apparatus hasn't come down and she's stuck up there. And I was like, what? One of the dancers, one of the ghost dancers for like flying dance, one of the flying ghosts, because oh. she would go up and then track in and then come down. And I was just like, and this was, I believe one of the first years they automated it. So it wasn't on a human being doing it. It was a program, oh, like a computer no. program. And oh. I look and I could see her up there and I was just like, oh, this is terrifying. Uh-huh. And, and spoiler alert, she was fine. She came down. She was crying. God, God love her. She was horrified. And she didn't do the number. There was, you know, three flying ghosts instead of four or what, how many ever there were, but you know, and then, but she changed her clothes and made it for Fezziwig's ball, but she was a little shaken you know, thank God she was uninjured. That was scary. Then there was the year. Oh no. Nah, there was the year that, you know, so at the end of the show, Scrooge has his epiphany in the middle of the graveyard. And then the, the houses track on, you know, from stage, you know, left to right. And it's all the three, uh, not houses, the buildings that make up that, that town square looking, scenic element that was brilliant by the a magnificent tony walton who you know well that's, i could talk about tony walton forever i he, he, that I, set, and the thing that is set I, design yeah was everything yeah, and, and the and just the fact that i would sit and talk with him and his wife and his people and i would be like and then one year i was like wait he did sets for what he did costumes for which this Tony Wall, he was with whom? Was his wife? Uh, Juliet. Oh, this is oh, this is the guy who did that. You know, but by then he was dear Tony, who I hung out with. You know, um, the sets were tracking in, and suddenly they stopped, and we're hearing hold. Everyone's like, they're like, don't go on stage, don't go on stage, and we're like, what's going on? And one of the engines under the stage that was attached to the house one of the houses the buildings i should say had caught on fire (gasps) it had gone up and it wasn't like massive flames you just all of a sudden saw like like smoke and the set was stuck and i think they put it out and and didn't stop the show if i remember correctly but we just did it with like the set half on and we finished because we we're like mid seconds from the end of the show. And of course that shows 90 minutes straight through. But if we go, if it goes over a certain amount of time, it goes into overtime, it fucks up the next reset for the next show. Like it was really, it was like a clock. You had, things had to go on time. And then, sure enough, we just did the rest of the show with it like half on. And, and, and then we, they reset the show and they were able to fix it for the next show. I think, I think it wasn't as bad as it seemed at first. How many shows a week did you guys do? Up to 15. Oh my God. Yeah, up to 15. So, so I think some like weeks early in the season was like 12, 13. It was never less than 10. But the weekend was always where it was packed. So it was three on Friday, four on Saturday, three on Sunday. Oh, Jesus. So it was a 10 show weekend. But that was the first special agreement contract. I believe I could be wrong about that with equity and they were and they and the pay was pretty decent so like for those first few years you know you'd make a lot of enough money that you could save and i would sort of if i didn't have work you know for five or six months i could live on it that changed because then uh the union 
I think gave a little on some concessions, but also then they also knew understood how to work the contracts so that we would still do a lot of shows, but the pay went not, it didn't go down. They just were able to not have to pay overages that they would used to pay. Um, I mean, we still made money, but it wasn't like that kind of, like you get your check and then you get your other check of overtime and it was more than your regular check. Like that, I mean, it was those first few years were like, woo, yeah. The thing about that is, yes, it was a grueling schedule, but it was a pleasure to do that show. I mean, you worked really hard. The show was hard. You danced your face. You you know, you danced a lot. You sang your face off. Like, uh, it was no, none of it was tracked. There was no, you couldn't mark. Like, you got to sing out. Like, it, it, it was because everybody had very specific parts and it was very, you know, and then, and the reason it was so big is because half the cast would be offstage changing for the next number. And you're so half of, it was such a well-constructed event, but it was, it was a hard show. It's a hard. Were you singing and changing at the same time? Sometimes. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Not, not, I think not as much as you'd think because they would very much track it so that the people on stage were doing the singing. They were very conscious, like the sound, because Gemignani was a stickler. And there was one time that there was a eight, 16 bars of click tracking just as a sweetener, but everyone on stage was singing. Like, and they were always screaming, you gotta sing, you gotta sing, you know? It's, I mean, I love the music personally. Me too. I, it's, Me it's, too. it's on my holiday rotation. I start listening to it around this time of year. Um, oh my God, you do? That's, I, I love, love that. it. I love both the, I, I mean, I listen to both the stage and the movie version just because, like, yeah. It, I mean, it's the all movie's the same. not bad. It's not bad. It's beautiful. Like, it's just not the show, which is fine, you know. No. Yeah. If they were to, if you were to get a call and be like, "Hey, we're remounting a Christmas Carol," would you? What would you say? Um, I would get into a dance class right away <laughs> <laughs> and see if I could do. It. I've sort of, I sort of developed a kind of intense arthritis in my knees now. Um. And like, it's hard to dance like that at this point. Also, I mean, I'm going to turn 52 in March. So like I'm, and I'm doing a lot of film and TV out here. Not that I wouldn't do it, but it's, I just don't think I'm in shape to do it anymore. I mean, if they said you could pick your part, I'd be like, let me do Marley then. (laughs) Because Marley's ghost, right? Yeah, Marley's ghost. Yeah, yeah, Marley's ghost. Yeah, (laughs) because, because it, but no Part of I don't think I'm in shape to do it. I don't I don't think I can anymore. Um, because that's that's no joke. Like it is no fucking joke, man. Like that that yeah. dancing is for real. Because <laughs> like everyone, even Scrooge dances and a it's, little, yeah. But like he's on stage the whole time. So <laughs> yeah. You know what? I should tell you there is a there is a really interesting thing that happened the year that Roger Daltrey did it. That in rehearsal he said to Lynn and and Alan, hey. This moment, one particular moment in the show, feels like a leap. I don't know why I'm going from this thing to this. And they they were like, what do you mean? And he said, internally, it feels like I'm missing a beat to get from one event, this this particular event to another particular event. And I and I I can't remember the exact place. I think it's going into um abundance and charity, I think. And they sort of were like, oh, okay. And they came in and they wrote a song that was transitional for Scrooge in that moment. And all of a sudden we were like, he's right. You needed that. Oh my I'm God. Talking maybe 16 bars, maybe 20 bars. Um, but it, it was, it was that transition that for yeah. character development. 
the reason I bring that up is because they were always every year taking that rehearsal process as an opportunity to refine the show, to perfect the show. And then the last year was, uh, you know, Jim Dale and I, I was Fezziwig, right? And I, I remember, you know, looking at him and like on a fourth sh- or third show on a Saturday, which means we did two, we were in the third and there was still one more. And I would go, wait, he just fixed that beat. He just kind of made that better. Then the next show I'd go, wait, he just changed. Not, and it wasn't like drastic changes, right? He was still working in the frame of the show, but he was always refining his performance. And I was like, oh my God, this man is a genius. And I went to him, I think the next day uh, we were in and I was like, hey, Jim, I just got to tell you, I really admire, you know, your process because you're still refining the show. And he was like, of course, it's like, I'll be working on this till the last performance. And that was a advice. And that was a revelation to me because he wasn't saying the show was wrong. He was just saying, I can do it better. Wow. In his mind. Right. And I, from that day forward, I've always felt that way. I was always like, yep. Doesn't matter. If you're not happy with your performance on opening night, the next night you can make it a little bit better. Right. And obviously there's room for improvement. Yeah. And he would also do that with, the dances he would also do with how he was singing something i mean there were micro changes but because you're seeing you're literally looking at him every performance you're like well oh you just oh you just changed that but imperceptibly and at and at this point you've done like five million performances of it so you know everyone's part backwards and forwards and upside down (laughs) agree exactly and you and it's also like just the the genius of Jim Dale because I was like oh that's why you're Jim Dale like okay <laughs> I get it and and not to say other people weren't like that they were there I mean you know Frank Langella like everybody everyone had their virtues in the roles like nobody I did it with was always like what the heck are you no there it was always like wow this is they have some amazing thing to bring to this but Jim being the last one sort of sticks in my mind because str- somebody said to me well we wanted him from the first year but he couldn't do it. Um, and then then they advocated for Walter Charles who I didn't see I worked with Walter and Sweeney Todd at New York City Opera and I adore him but I didn't see him I didn't work with him and I think I think they were saying in the conceptualization of the show I think Mike Ockrent wanted Jim Dale um, but geez wow my god that there's so, there's so many things like that that I would always be like wow this this show what an opportunity to learn well time has come to an end with this i told interview. you i told you your podcast not long enough. I told you. <laughs> no I'm, it's not i could I've only scratch the surface <laughs> uh is there anything roland you'd like to plug or promote while we're here oh uh watch me on uh uh welcome to chippendales on hulu I'm, I'm episode four and episode six thank you so much so that was fun to talk with roland about Oh, I love that's great. So I also had a really hard time watching, well, rewatching this movie, disassociating the show version versus the movie version. Cause like like I said, I've seen it for like a thousand every year. Every year for like seven, eight years. I don't know how long. (laughs) I don't know time. Six years maybe. Pandemic. What is time? It's burned in my brain. Like everything. So yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I'm getting a little emotional. <laughs> oh, I wish I knew what the emotions were. Uh, I, don't, I don't. They come and go every so often. 
but <laughs> yeah i'm i'm glad though that i got to take you on something that's part of my childhood this yeah i've never seen i can't i can't believe that this slipped slipped in the cracks and jason is all smiles this episode everyone like <laughs> He's enjoying his time talking about this version of A Christmas Carol. Yes, I am. I am. What, was there anything else you want to talk about before we get to Sharp and Flat? There was something I wanted, to, I wanted to talk about Jane Krakowski about. I may have already mentioned it, how similar it was for her to be in the, how she looked like she was nine. Yeah, you did that. Uh, I should have written it down. Again, I watched this in the middle of the night. And then yet to come is played by Geraldine Chaplin. I want to also give her credit because, like, the ghosts... The ghosts are everything in this... In I mean, any iteration I mean, of this. Everything. Yeah. yeah, they're the plot. They're, the, they're everything. Because, like, I don't think... No, in Muppet Christmas... In the Muppet Christmas Carol, it was different puppets, Muppets, that were playing. They yeah. didn't do... This... I think... I don't know. Is it rare? In your opinion, do you think it's rare for shows to have the um ghosts play townspeople and then be the ghosts? it is unorthodox it is unorthodox did they do it in the stage show yes they did okay okay that's a story i mean because the thing about these type of stories is you can it's was it was it real or was it not real wizard of oz phantom Tale, Blue, yeah, all those yeah other ones that we've exactly done. yeah so that that is helpful it's just a device mm-hmm. i like it I do too. And plus they get to have another moment because they, yeah, yeah, they, they get two get, sandwich moments. They get that introductory, like, Oh, I'm a townsperson. Oh no, yeah. I'm falling off the ladder. Oh, I'm yeah. being, Oh, I'm begging for money. And then they get to have their, no, I'm really a ghost <laughs> that is in your life. Ha ha. We're watching over you. Maybe. Who knows? My favorite moment my favorite is, is when the ghost of Christmas yet to come, um, <clears throat> walks off without her cane. <laughs> I love, yeah. I love that cut. I, I love. I hope that she made. Is that in the show? I can't remember. Is it in the in show? Well. I hope that she made that decision. That that was like a choice because it's it's a cool. This choice. actress. Yes. Geraldine. Yes. Yes. Miss Geraldine. Miss um, Geraldine. All right. Geraldine. Let's get into sharp and flat, shall we? All right. Let's do it. <laughs> sharp. Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. I don't know if we actually talked about this movie. I'm just having a great conversation <laughs> with my friend Jason. <laughs> and we're not fighting. Huzzah. No, it's, it's nice not fighting you. Those are Lynn Aaron, those are Lynn Aaron lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> if we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it can change, it's flat. And yeah. I want to okay. start with flats because okay. I'm we're in good spirits. We're having fun. Okay. It's let's let's cut ourselves down. It's holiday time, you know. We're all, <laughs> it's almost Christmas. Well, I have no so. cocktail in my hand. I had enough last night. I think that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> so my flats, I actually didn't like the CGI in Link by Link. Okay, wow. I don't know. Maybe it's just because like we've gone so far in technology when it comes to CGI. Plus, I know that this is a TV movie and they probably had like $3 for the whole budget. So Exactly. I also want a clock as a flat. Kelsey Grammer acting way too much. Wow. I'm clocking wow. it. I'm going you, there. You're, you're, you're coming for Frasier? I'm coming for Frasier. Well, so 
I get it. This is the family friendly version. Okay. But like when he's the miserly Scrooge, like he's playing for the back of the audience. Like the the okay. nose bleeds. Okay. He's, this is I don't think he needs to be acting too hard as he is, personally. Okay. And that's that's my that's my critique. And that's all I'm gonna say. He does a great thing- job. Love his singing, love his little two-stepping that he does every so often. Um, I just think when he's <laughs> a scrooge you know using the verbiage of it Mm -hmm. i think he's taking it all the way you know like yeah too far putting a hat on a hat yes yes um and then also i'm flatting that there was no revival of the show yet yeah she's real mad i'm real pissed because it's so good (laughs) it is it's fun it's a lot of fun and i think and I think that um, the production value of it all is is alluring to families. People come to see New York to see a production. Well, also, okay, I'm going to get super personal on this one. This also kind of informed me of like wanting to work in theater because, like, Aww. on stage, um, they had a choir of children singing Mm -hmm. um bless his family bless his feast and they were all in like little angel costumes with like candles and they would pop out like oh it's so good i'm gonna cry but oh and so younger john me it was like seeing representation in a way where like oh my god there's so these kids and they're in theater and they're singing i love to sing i wasn't (laughs) really at this time i wasn't really doing theater uh, towards the end I was I was doing like the school plays and things like that but like okay. it was one of the first things that I was just like I want to be in theater and I'm now realizing this oh you're seeing me you're seeing it's actually quite nice seeing you relive and, and to see your eyes um remember what it was like to, to the to, lights to of long that. ago the lights of long ago I'm like oh wow you you were a child that's you there was a time when you didn't you didn't have the uh, you weren't a bitter New Yorker. No, so <clears throat> my when if we went in 1996, I was eight years old when we first went to see the show. Oh wow, that's very yeah. for, those are very formative years. I think I fell in love with theater around that time too. And the show like, the show only played in December, but and not even oh, the they full didn't open month. Early, I don't think so. Because Grinch had a tendency to play. We had show. I remember <laughs> we had um, a Halloween party. Well, so they also had to contend with sports. You have to remember. Yeah, but that's on the other side. Wait, wait. Is it? It wasn't in Madison Square Garden. It was in the theater. Ooh, it was in the theater. Yes, but like I yeah, think they that's, also that's wanted separate. to. Con- I think they also wanted to like separate sports. Oh, really? And things like I don't know. I'm making shit up, Jason. <laughs> I'm podcasting for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, what are your flats? I I may not have any. Um. Because I was it, watching this with, with with such fresh eyes, and like those aren't really my flats aren't really besides the revival part. The other two weren't. It's just my critique on it, you know. Of course, it's, of course. Like I, st- it's still enjoyable. Yeah, I fucking love yeah. it. If you don't have any, that's fine. I, don't, I actually, yeah, I really don't have any. I, I I thoroughly enjoy this movie. Again, I watched in the middle of the night, um, <laughs> just like the ghosts. Just like the I was actually waiting for them to come. It was about it was about three four in the morning. It was about the time. Oh, also, you know, I never realized, I never thought until about this till this movie. Okay, so the first ghost comes at one, one 
Then the second ghost comes at two. Uh-huh. Putting the third ghost at three, right? Yes. So they all the ghosts kind of hit them up for the hour. So that means the third ghost would have been done by four. However, when Scrooge wakes up, it's broad it's daylight, morning. and he can and he can send the child for a turkey. It's probably like eight a.m. So ish or seven, we'll say. So did he sleep longer, or did he? Uh, or or is just a, a time issue? Well, was <laughs> did this happen, Jason? Exactly. Exactly. It's really happened. Um, and he, there's more. There's more to gravy. Was was the line? Because he's like, you're you're just like a, a spot of gravy or a piece of meat. Yeah, undigested meat or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget that. That's from the book. That's actually a direct line from the book. Yeah, they did a good. They did a great job. Yeah. Um. Okay. What were your sharps? I love the Fezziwigs. Uh, I love that number. I thought it was great. I thought Mrs. Fezziwig was singing. Fezziwig was singing down. Uh, that was a and lovely, lovely thing. Missy, hold on. While we're who talking, is that? Who is she? The in the movie? Yeah, Claire Moore played her, and she. Oh, she played Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors in a comedy in the comedy theater. That's the name of the place okay. in the West End. Um, oh, this was this was filmed in Brit- uh, in London. She in- was in a Christine Daae alternate in Phantom. Wow! That oh, there you go. Uh, there you she go. Played Ellen in Miss Saigon in London. Oh, she's a she's a. She's uh, got credits, baby. Yeah. She also played Hattie Walker in the 2019 National Theatre production of Follies. Who sang Broadway? Who baby. in Follies? Oh, okay, okay. Broadway okay. baby. Oh, you know who I didn't who I who I, I saw in the credits, but I didn't clock in the production in the movie. Ruthie Henshaw. Ruthie Henshaw is in the beginning. She played the mom. Yeah. Scrooge's mom, yeah. That is wild. Yeah, there and I love it. I, I actually live for Ruthie Henshaw. I think she's a I think she's a phenomenal singer. I wanna see who, if anyone we know, played Mrs. Fezziwig. Um, Mary Stout originated the role in Oh, I love Mary Stout. I think Mary Stout was in Ragtime. And then Joy Hermelin played Fezziwig for like four years. Okay. Uh, Deborah Cardona played her in for one year, and then Kelly Ellenwood finished the run from 2000 to 2003. Such great gigs. Mm-hmm. We we do need we, New York City needs another Christmas show. I mean, and the the set is probably somewhere collecting dust. Yeah, maybe, yeah. hopefully, if or maybe distributed among. Well, I don't know if I would want the revival to be the exact same show, but like, I yes. Let's yeah. do it in a roller disco. Do you have any other sharps? Um. Jesse L. Martin was was phenomenal. He was wonderful. I forget how charming he is. Ah, oh, that smile. Yeah, he's very, very charming. He was super thin back then, too. Yeah, this is before... 2004. No, it was post-Rent. Rent was, Rent was but 90s. Before Law and Order. Bum, bum. Yes. <laughs> I, I, also, <laughs> I also sharped Jesse L. Martin. I also sharped um, Jane Krakowski. Oh, it, that's always a sharp. It's always a sharp. I, li- I live for that woman. I also sharped Christmas Past's costume. I love that the, dress. The, 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 it's so it's simple. The, it's the ruffles. 
the ruffles. It's good. It's good, especially with the fan. The ruffles and the beading slash sequins and you know throughout. you know some homosexual had that idea. Of course, that is a homosexual agenda, and I live for it. <laughs> <laughs> Helen P. Butler was the costume designer. Okay, is do we know who the supervisor was? Helen Ingham was the okay. costume supervisor. Okay. She's... I, I, want, I want to see if it was a gay man. That's I was curious. Oh, no. But there are some gay men involved, it looks like. Of course. Of yeah. course. And a, But, like, a lot of women. But you know that they have, they have their best their best duty being like, you know what you should do for Jane? <laughs> you know costume people are my favorite fucking people in the whole world. I, can, I love... My, my time in the theater is always spent in the costume room. Because they're just the best. And then my last drop, I'm also going to start the Fezziwig, uh, Mr. Fezziwig's annual Christmas ball. That whole number is... Yeah, it's so good. It, it's it so does. good. As as much as I love Lights of Long Ago, I think the ball is where it's at for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's far superior than any other. There are about three production numbers in the show. I did love the. Okay, I'm gonna also sharp the production number at the gravesite because you know that I fucking live for that. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, I love a song and dance in the graveyard. Dancing that will on, always make uh, me smile. Dancing on your smile. grave. Love it. Oh, but I wasn't. So I wasn't expecting a production number. Yes. I was thinking like a you know like a song and a dirge and like something like that. I'm like oh oh like, oh. I was so surprised. <laughs> I, w- would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? Fezzy Wig. Uh, uh, what's it called? The Annual Christmas Ball. That might be that. That might be my um entrance music for a little bit. Not abundance oh, also... and charity. <laughs> no, that 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 that's for the that's for the bedroom. Um, <laughs> but I do love. Bless, um, uh, what's it, um, the, the one that's reprised a few times? A Place Called Home. A Place Called Home, yeah. Uh, you know who has a really good version of that on their album? Uh, the girl from Smash. Megan Hilty? Um, Megan Hilty. Her Christmas album, her Christmas album is great, by the way. She sings A Place Called Home in her yeah. Christmas album? Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful so, version. For years, presumably, you just thought this was her song. No, I knew it was from the show. Okay. I knew it was from the show because um, I have a friend who um, uh, who is obsessed with Mencken, and I think we sang it because um, in college we just you know sight read whatever, um, so we just get together and, and sing songs. And I think he brought it brought it to the practice rooms one day, and we just sang through it. So I knew the song, and he's like, "Oh, this is from whatever," and so I knew it. Um, I listened to this album around this yeah. Year. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I might throw it in my rotation. I just started listening to Christmas music. Just started. Congratulations. Welcome, like yesterday. To, welcome to the cult. Thank- <laughs> well, I do have to start listening to, because there comes time where I start hitting everyone's new album. Because mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's always like a deluge of, of Christmas albums around this time of year. Yes, and everyone's trying to reach Mariah's money. Never... And they will. never will. Even Mar- even Mariah Carey's second album didn't hit the first. Nope. Uh, <laughs> but Jason, this was fun. I'm so glad I got to introduce you, kind Thank of. Thank you, miss. To this one. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything you would like to plug or promote? I, I did a concert a few weeks ago, so... Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> Oopsies. But, but find me on Instagram. Find me on Scruff and tell me I'm pretty. You can find me on Instagram at uh, at J A Y S O N L K E R R. Uh, and you can find they me. They know Scruff. how to spell it by now. Uh, okay, okay. And you can just or find me on Scruff. I, 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 I'm, I'm the one with the obscene picture. Just tell me I'm pretty. My face isn't showing. Just, just tell me. <laughs> I need, I need, I need affirmation. <laughs> and if you know of any place that d- is doing this version of a christmas carol i would love to know about it i will drop okay. everything and go see it um <laughs> you can email me the details at buttersongpod at gmail.com i'm also on facebook instagram twitter and tiktok at buttersongpod was this your first time watching this movie like it was jason's <laughs> let me know i want to hear and if you want to be part of the next episode conversation well we're still on the holiday train sorry that really i mean there's really a fuck ton of christmas movies so i'm sorry that it's so secular in that way but <laughs> the next movie is muppet family christmas because we have to do oh, muppets at least once a christmas time to- once a so holiday good. season so good so good beware the icy <laughs> patch everyone <laughs> Jason, thank you so much for coming back. Thank on. you for having me. Uh, this, this is a lot of fun. Lovely. I already forgot half the stuff that we talked about because I was just <laughs> reliving my childhood. <laughs> it was therapy for me this time. <laughs> and not and not torture for me. And not torture for you. Or therapy for you. <laughs> or therapy for your me, childhood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but thank you, everyone. Hope you hopefully you have a safe and happy holidays. And bye for now. Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.